This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. We've got our take cannons loaded and ready. Ready. Absolutely dominant on deep routes. Absolutely dominant on short routes. Boys are back. Excellent separation against man coverage. This is reception. Reception. The show. Yo, what's cracking, everybody? James Joe, Matt Harmon here with you on Reception, the Perception, the Show. How are you doing today, Matt? Hey, no complaints here, man. Uh, staying busy, you know, trying to keep track of uh, all the NFL stuff. Although, you know, news is definitely a little lighter. Uh, oh, for sure. A little lighter sure. than it was. But, you know, also moving on to the rookies uh, as well, which I know people are excited about. So I've gotten, uh, gotten my first look at, at, at a few of these draft prospects. I know people are... I'm getting folks uh, asking about coming on shows, uh, get coming on, you know, different stuff to talk about. All, all, all the, uh, all the rookies, man, and it just, you know, it never stops, which is great. Uh, I'm glad that people are so interested in all these, uh, all these wide receivers, and and I'm enjoying it, man. This is a, uh, it's an interest, it's an interesting, albeit not very sexy, um, off season for wide receivers. But please continue to listen to the podcast and subscribe to the website. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you're right though, because. Um, What's what's fascinating about this particular offseason is that the free agent class is was not very good, um, as we highlighted many times. And then I would say in the draft class, too, I think there are some interesting names. Um, but again, not the, the sexiest names out there. Listen, there's going to be wide receivers that go in the first round, period. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But uh, it's just I don't know if anyone's really going, you know, bonkers over some of the prospects of, of some of these guys. Uh, and certainly that is something that we're going to dive into and talk about um, at some point. But on today's show, uh, I kind of want to really dig into the latest two profiles to hit the website in both Brandon Cooks and Elijah Moore there with the New York Jet, uh, football Jets. Um, and, and obviously both these guys pretty timely right now, especially Brandon Cooks, because uh, now he is joining the cast there in the Big D. Uh, is going to be playing alongside C.D. Lamb. We would think a healthier uh, Michael Gallup as well. And, of course, the best quarterback that he's had in in, in ages uh, mm-hmm. now in Dak Prescott. W- what do you see there with Brandon Cooks going to Dallas? Yeah, a couple things. Number one, I think this was my favorite wide receiver move uh, so far this offseason, which is mm. not saying very much because there haven't been that many great wide receiver moves like we just said at the top <laughs> of the show. Um, but probably, probably a close second, I guess, is the DJ Moore to, to right. Chicago move just because that's really interesting as well. We have some other big dominoes potentially falling here soon. But, you know, a, a second point here, James, you and I talked about Brandon Cooks uh, potentially going to the Dallas Cowboys. and I feel like we mm-hmm. kind of nailed the reasons why, and it wasn't and not that we're like, Oh, we're big geniuses because we talked about this. Like they were, they were potentially sniffing around right. him at the trade deadline as well. So this was an easy connection to make, but kind of like I said back then, I, I feel this way even stronger now is that I really think that Brandon cooks is the perfect player for the Dallas Cowboys to put across from CD lamb mix in this receiver room. I'm glad you brought up Michael Gallup. Cause I said, it's on one of my other shows. I'm going to talk about Michael Gallup so much this off season that people are going to be absolutely sick of me. And I'm not even sure. I'm not even sure if it's hundred percent worth talking about because of, of just where he was with his injury last year. But 
on the Brandon Cooks thing, you know, wait, wait, I, I hold think- on, hold on. Let me, let, let me, let, I want to put a pin on this Brandon Cooks conversation. I haven't heard your thoughts on Michael Gallup. Are you anticipating a, a, a big time bounce back for Gallup in this, in this Dallas Cowboys offense? I mean, I just was such a big fan of Michael Gallup prior to the ACL injury. Um, mm-hmm. I've always been, uh, even back in the 2018 draft class, uh, that yeah. was for, for the huge long time reception perception nerds. Um, I charted the 2016, 2017 and 2018 draft classes for reception perception back when you and I were working at the NFL network together. Right. And then for two years, uh, after I left NFL, I didn't chart prospects because which great timing because 2019, 2020 ended up being damn great receiver classes. (laughs) So, (laughs) um, despite the fact that there are, uh, and then then eventually again, this is football dork stuff, but there's been a rather like. I'll call it explosion of the underground college football film uh, industry on the, uh, on the internet, but it's more underground than the NFL stuff is. But so I've been back to charting prospects, which is on the site now. So there are other prospects prior to just what's on the site right now. That's 2017 or 2016 to 2018 class. So dating back to Michael Gallup's, even like collegiate reception perception, I was always just such a big fan of his at Colorado state. Um, I thought he was a really underrated press man coverage beater he's not a great zone beater but for a guy that's a big perimeter x receiver who we also know can win jump balls i thought he was a really underrated technician a really underrated route runner and again that ability to win deep down the field from a jump ball stance like i think that michael gallup at his peak was just as good if not even maybe potentially a better player than like mike williams is with the chart like the chargers um but I haven't gone back and looked at his reception perception from last year, but I'm expecting it to be way below all of his career results. Right. Because I mean, and this is the thing with, with sports, man, like we've got become so accustomed to like, Oh, this guy tore his ACL. Like he'll be back in nine months. He tore his ACL in February. And like we, anybody that's ever had like a major (laughs) surgery knows that like those, yeah, that's a grueling, grueling comeback. Like we'll talk about Odell Beckham later in the, in the, in the episode and like, you know, that whole thing. So I think Gallup could easily bounce back. And by the way, this is something I want to put on the site this offseason. Like, it's actually not surprising to see a player who's a press man coverage beater be like lose three to four to five percent off their success rate versus man scores in the first year off of an ACL tear. So uh-huh. Gallup not being able to separate as well last year is actually not that surprising. Some of these guys we've seen bounce back, like to to better levels, like Cooper Cup, Allen Robinson, guys have torn the air ACLs had a down year their first year and then bounced all like bounced back up to have really good seasons. So maybe Gallup is one of those guys. Like, I don't know that the version that we got of him last year is going to be the version that he is forever, but again, with injuries, there's no guarantee. So I'm just a fan of his game and I want to keep a candle lit that he can get back to being the player that he used to be. Michael Gallup, 27 years old, uh, going into 2023. So, uh, certainly not an older player. Uh, that's what you worry about when you talk about these, you know, catastrophic injuries, right? Like when you talk about the ACL or an Achilles or whatever it might be, uh, age, I think factors in, and it's such a small window, man. Like the difference yeah. between 27 and 30, it, it feels like a, like an entire lifetime. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, the recovery window I think, um, is interesting for Michael Gallup. Can he recover? Can he bounce back off that ACL at 27 years of age? We're going to find out. Um, again, so Brandon cooks goes to Dallas. This is the fifth NFL team. He's been traded to, uh, the fifth NFL team he's on. He's been traded four times, which is just (laughs) crazy, crazy to me. Um, for a player that's pretty good, but teams just keep Mm -hmm. continue to give up pretty good assets. 
uh, for Brandon Cooks. And this time, not so much. But I mean, again, he, he wanted off the Houston Texans in the worst way, and uh, and Dallas w- was quick to oblige. But a thousand plus yards in six of his nine years, Matt. You know, I'll tell you this: a thousand plus yards in every single year he has played at least fifteen games. So I find that to be pretty interesting. Um, in 2022, just you know, 699 yards and three touchdowns. I'll ask you this: How much of that had to do with the quarterback play, and and maybe not even the quarterback play, but just so much as the team uh, in general? Yeah, I would say most, if not all, of it had to do with that. Um, I mean, this was a guy that was like publicly beefing with the team after signing a contract extension, and you know, we've talked about this a right. lot, but like. You know, Brandon, what the hell do you expect to happen when you sign the Houston Texans a contract? You think they were going to be good last year? You think Davis Mills was going to take some kind of leap and they were about to be a good team? No, they were a long, long term rebuild. So, um, but I would actually contend that Brandon Cooks has been the best version of himself in a Houston Texans uniform than he was Mm -hmm. with the Patriots, with the Saints, with the Rams. Um, You know, to to really dive into it, of course, the profile's up on the site. People people should check that out. Um, I was reading a piece uh, that my colleague at Yahoo wrote, uh, Jory Epstein. She had talked to a few people, like, because you mentioned Brandon Cook's been traded so many times. Uh, She talked to a few people that had basically said, like, Brandon Cook's keeps getting traded not this time this is the first time he hasn't been traded for big draft capital but he keeps getting traded to teams that think he's a number one receiver but he's really probably like a number two receiver like a really really good complimentary player and I kind of agree with that analysis um interesting that it comes from folks who were inside the building of teams that traded for him like they ended up seeing like ah you know he's he's probably not really a legit number one and I think that's true because early on in his career if you look at like, and I linked a few of these in the profile, like his his older route charts, it was all just deep stuff um, and like little crossing routes, flat routes, screen routes, stuff like that. But then when you dive into his Houston Texans work, he was up above like 70% success rate versus man in each of the last two seasons, up above 70% success rate versus press in each of the last two seasons. Whereas those were areas he really struggled to be consistent early on in his career, I think from like a fundamentals perspective, from a route mm-hmm. perspective, he's gotten a lot better. And that mostly shows up on dig routes, uh, on out routes, some of those more intermediate patterns, which were not really a part of his game previous in previous years and are part of his game now. And really what I just like, I think you go back and look at the RP data, you go back and watch him last year. He's definitely not washed. And I don't even really think he's lost a step. Like he's still wow. very fast. He's still got a lot of speed. Um, and in fact, I think he's a better route runner today, right now, than he was uh, prior to being traded to the Houston Texans, like with the Rams and the Saints, the Patriots on stuff. I think he's a more complete receiver right now. Uh, it, it's interesting to hear that. And I, I, and I don't I'm not sure a lot of folks um, realize that, to be honest with you, I, I found that to be part of um, a, a really fascinating part of your profile on Brandon Cooks, because I think, again, if you look at, you know, some of his game, I mean, I, I would just say this. How, having watched him play, he was, <laughs> I think it's fair to say he wasn't given 100% effort uh, at all times <laughs> last year. Um, and, and maybe you start double counting that kind of stuff. I, I'm not sure. But then you start adding in some of the numbers too, uh, and you start looking at the stats. Look, he still averaged 12.3 yards per reception. He's a career 13.7 yards per reception guy, so a slight dip there. But 12.3 is still really, really good. I, I mean, it tells you that this guy can make plays. Um, over the top, but his 53.8 yards per game last year was the second lowest of his career, the lowest since 2019, where he was third fiddle to Cooper Cup and Robert Wood. So 
I, I would think, Matt, that, you know, some folks in the football industry would think, okay, well, what does Brandon Cooks have left? And you're saying with confidence that you, you've seen almost no dip at all uh, from Brandon 20, Cooks. 2019, another year that he struggled with injuries, just like he he was – I would say, like, I don't know that, I like, watching him and, and charting him that I saw any, like, lack of effort or loafing or stuff like that. But when, you know, when he's coming back from injuries, maybe he's mm. taking a little extra time to come back from injuries, right? I got uh, you. He's not, I got you. We, we've, we've certainly had that discussion about a lot of players. Like, Lamar Jackson, yeah. we had that discussion about a lot last year. Like, is he going right. to come back until he's, like, 100 100%, you know, because the contract, stuff like that? And same with Brandon Cooks, like, he ended up getting paid from the Texans and the Cowboys basically to cut the salary so that Dallas could take it on. Like if he goes out there and, you know, busts his ass and gets hurt or exacerbates an injury, we're probably like not having this conversation. Right. Good point. Or at least right. he's not getting traded to maybe a team like Dallas, but I don't think I've seen really any dip there. Um, there are always injury concerns of the player when it's always tough to like, my buddy Scott Pianowski from Yahoo do- says like once the cheese goes bad, like it goes bad, like the cheese doesn't mm. somehow get good again. Um, like it doesn't become fresh. Like once it's expired, it's expired and, and it's time to move on. I don't think we're at that point with Brandon cooks, but it's always worth talking about that when it comes to players who are around that 30 year old barrier and they have been injured. But yeah, man, I think the thing too, that's really fascinating about cooks is I, I really like his fit uh, from so many different reasons with the Dallas Cowboys. One, because he brings the speed that they desperately lacked. Like that oh, was something watching them they last so year bad. needed so bad, you know, right? Like, and my God, by the way, just on pretty quick, like I watched him play a game with Kyle Allen last year. Okay. So like, I don't really, give a, I don't really, I don't really care what his yards per game said. He played with Kyle yeah. Allen and he, right. any, uh, ask any Carolina Panthers fan, what they think about what they think about Kyle Allen, but Brandon cooks, like, Still brings the speed to the table. His ideal position, I think, is an off-ball flanker receiver. Um, that's mm-hmm. perfect for Dallas because if Michael Gallup can get back, he's your consummate X receiver. CeeDee Lamb has sort of settled into that power slot role, though I think you and I both believe he could play. And he does play all three positions, but yeah. if you're gonna, he's going to play inside in three receiver sets. You got Cooks as the Z that's a flanker who can also win on intermediate routes. And last thing I'll say too, the one, one thing that I definitely don't think Brandon cooks was not given any effort on. He was like making some acrobatic catches last year along the sideline. Uh, you know, he's mm-hmm. got a great sense of when to put his toes down uh, along the sideline. That's going to be key in a Mike McCarthy offense. Now that it's more McCarthy, because that offense asks the quarterback to consistently make high degree of difficulty uh, throws. So to me, I think Brandon cooks like this is, stylistically is exactly what Dallas needed out of the receiver room. So 29 years old, but he's going into his age 30 season. He's going to be 30 um, in late September. But what we saw and what you've charted here, Matt, talk about what he does over the top. We know him to be really good. Look, he ran a 4-3-40. We know he's got the speed. But at 29 years old, what did you see in terms of his game from a technical standpoint going in over the top? Because success rate on the corners, nines, and posts, man, oh my goodness. Uh, this guy was absolutely, as advertised, great over the top. Just funny, like when people, and I'm not not saying you, but like when we talk about like 40 times, like this deep into a guy's career, it's like, yeah, he's got no, right. four, three Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, well, right, right. One day... <laughs> you know, 10 years ago, he had four, yeah. three speed, like yes, one day yes. in the, in the calendar year at the combine, right? like with <laughs> DJ Chark, people still quote DJ Chark's 40 time at me. I'm like, well, all right, that was, 
hundred years ago and, and 50 injuries ago. And like, he doesn't get open now. So I don't care. Right. <laughs> well, what are, what are we doing here? Uh, p- people still talking about, uh, when, when, uh, old, what's his name? Uh, Philip Dorsett signs with the Raiders. Like, well, this is the guy they yeah. needed speed four three speed. Okay. Well, a lot of good that's done anybody. Uh, but Brandon <laughs> cooks, I think on, on the field, on the uh, film definitely yeah. still has speed, but I think what you what you bring up there is the technical development of Brandon Cooks, which I think is a key part here. Again, early on in his career, he really struggled to get open uh, against press man coverage consistently outside of those downfield routes. But his ability to sort of set defenders up to, and I think, be a more legit threat in that intermediate zone. Like some receivers, when they sell the vertical route, they're really good at br- coming back to the quarterback, curls, comebacks, stuff like that. That's not really Cooks's game, but he can really snap it back on like, or snap it inward or outward on like a 90 degree angle for the out routes, the corner or the, the, the dig routes that threat in the intermediate game, I think has made cooks even better as a downfield threat. Cause he can get you to buy those routes and then, you know, maybe double move stuff like that. Take it vertically. I think for a guy like Dak Prescott, who's um, for all you can say about Dak, I think he's a really good processor and he is uh, a really good quarterback in terms of like the timing and rhythm of an offense. I think that's going to be a nice fit for a guy like Brandon Cooks, who I think plays much better with much better timing now than he did earlier in his career. Uh, I'm going to say this one random thing, uh, and I don't have the numbers right in front of me right this second, but um, I found this to be really interesting. Um, Obviously, I do a lot of work with Next Gen Stats, but uh, curls and comebacks, Matt, I don't know if you know this, but uh, it's one of the most those are the two most dangerous passes uh, in the NFL, low yield and high turnover rate. So it's. Oh, yeah. Well, that makes sense. I don't, it's funny when I, when I look at your charts and I see, uh, you know, not great, uh, success rate on the curls or comebacks, I kind of sort of, not that I don't care, but I'm like, good, because then he won't run that. Right. Because the, those are the kind of routes that, uh, in the NFL get picked off a lot. Um, and also those are the kind of routes that don't get completed quite a bit. Um, so those are actually really, uh, difficult routes in the NFL low, like I said, low yield, high turnover rate, um, on the comebacks and curls. For, for a number of different reasons, you know, a lot of zone coverage and, you know, guys yeah. can drop back into that, into that, um, into that route, uh, combination a lot too. So, um, anyways, but regardless, hey, I think I, that's I, a, that's a good point too, for Dallas specifically, because I guarantee you, and I obviously posting cooks route chart on Twitter, and then it kind of made its way into like Cowboys Twitter. Yeah. Um, so many people like, Thank God can't run a curl route. Thank God he doesn't run good curl routes because <laughs> Kellen Moore's offense specifically, a lot of stick right. concepts, a lot of curl yeah. routes. Uh, and hey, you know who led the NFL in interceptions last year despite not starting a full season? Dak Prescott with 15. Yeah. So that lines up with your point. And I agree with you. Mostly it is it is because a lot more zone coverage. Like I used to put a lot of importance on the curl route success rate for um, for guys in like probably around like 2015, 16, 17 but there was a lot more man coverage yeah, being run more. in 16, 17 uh, than there is right now. So dig routes, out routes, stuff, like, especially dig routes, man. You know, think about Jimmy Garoppolo. 100%. How he's made a career throwing dig routes to Debo Samuel. So uh, that's important too. And again, Brandon Cooks, uh, that's a great 75% success rate on the on the yep. dig route. I think that's going to be important for beating zone coverage uh, much more than, than the curl routes at this point. 
Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. It's Reception Perception, the show now. James Cole and Matt Harmon. Okay, so a, a lot of stuff happening actually randomly between Dallas and Houston because it wasn't a trade, but Dalton Schultz moves on, but he signs with Houston. He signs a, a, a one-year deal uh, for potentially $9 million there in Houston. Houston, Matt, has made a lot of a lot of moves. You know, they, they trade away, you, you know, uh, Brandon Cooks to Dallas. Again, they signed Dalton Schultz. They signed Robert Woods to a two-year $15.2 million deal. They also signed Noah Brown. <laughs> from Dallas as well, uh, a one-year, $2.6 million deal. A lot of these guys just staying in the state of Texas for whatever Don't reason. even have to move. Don't, don't have, have to move, move very much. Not, not very much. Uh, they signed Devin Singletary to a one-year, $3.75 million deal. They locked up Laramie Tunsil to the richest OT ta- uh, tackle contract in history, a three-year extension worth $75 million with $50 million guaranteed. And they traded for Shaq Mason as well. That offensive line, I think, with Shaq Mason now, starting to look pretty good, to be honest with you. So I don't know what quarterback is going to end up there in Houston, uh, what young signal caller they're going to draft. But to me, I, I, they're not. I mean, it's not going to be the worst offense in the NFL. Yeah, it's not embarrassing, right? Like this receiver room is not right. embarrassing. I'm still a little like got it one eyebrow raised at Robert Woods just Robert Woods just because I think he was in decline prior to tearing his ACL with the Rams. For sure. Yep. But he he's not going to be your lead receiver. Um I still think they could draft a receiver too. Um and right. then you're looking at like all right, maybe that rookie is your two and Nico Collins is your one and Robert Woods is your three. Then that's nice. John Mechie coming back from I was going to say John Mechie. Yeah, an entire rookie season that he missed uh, Mm -hmm. fighting leukemia. Uh, Obviously, that's kind of a wild card in terms of where he'll be. I thought he profiled as like a a slot receiver type of guy. So, um, again, they have room to like I think if they had to line up and play right now, it would probably be Nico Collins, your X receiver. Robert Woods is your flanker and like Noah Brown is your slot or John Mechie's your slot. If he was just again, I don't think he's ready to play a, a damn game right now, but just hypothetically. But they could draft a, a a guy to be that flanker or whatever. Uh, Nico Collins is still the guy that's really interesting to me here. Um, Nico Collins in his rookie year was over seventy percent success rate versus press in a, a three, weeks three to five sample that we have from the in season charting data. Nico Collins seventy three point one percent success rate versus press, and that was again weeks three to five. He really sort of started to take off right after that when. They started using Brandon Cooks like closer to the line of scrimmage and Nico right. Collins more downfield. I still feel like there's some untapped potential with Nico Collins. I'm not saying that he could be 
uh, like a great legit, maybe, maybe not like a number one receiver, but I keep coming back to that poor man's T Higgins comparison, which yeah. is really sort of along the same axis of receiver of like Michael Gallup, who we talked about mm-hmm. earlier. So I could see him being um, like in that T Higgins is like the peak of that axis of receiver. And then there's like Michael Gallup and then there's like Michael Williams and then or Mike Williams. And then maybe Nico Collins could fit into there. He's still a guy that's really interesting to me. Look, this is a unit that does not have a true number one. That 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 much is obvious. But if they could kind of just throw, you know, quality, uh, you know, some mid-level guys at it, again, it's not going to be the the worst pass-catching group, especially when you sign Dalton Schultz, right? And then, again, you add Devin Singletary to the Damian Pierce running back room. Uh, that's actually an intriguing running back combination between Pierce and, and Devin Singletary to me. I, I think... I don't know. I I feel like Devin Singletary is underrated. I I feel like he's a pretty good player, um, and he can do all the things a professional running back needs to get done uh, in the NFL. I think he can run between the tackles. I think he's a pretty good pass catcher. I, again, just a, a just a solid NFL running back to pair with Damian Pierce. That's pretty good. So what Houston has done this offseason, fortifying their offensive line again, adding depth to their running back room. Because remember, the the, the depth behind Pierce was non-existent. You know what I mean? So when you get Rex you know, Burkhead, Singletary, for God's sakes, God, Jesus <laughs> Christ. I mean, that's what I mean. So, so again, you get Singletary. I, I, I know he's a depth piece, but right now that's, you just kind of sort of need to add some depth pieces. Maybe you draft your stars. Maybe that's what happens. Who knows what happens with John Mechie um, as we talked about, but again, maybe he'll be a depth piece too. So I don't know, but I like what Houston has done this offseason. As much of a joke clown car franchise as Houston has been, I got to say, I'll give due, I'll, I'll give them props when it's due. And I'll say, I kind of like what they did this off season because their cupboard was bare. And right now I feel like they're on a good track. By the way, they didn't sign anyone to crazy contracts, man. Like yeah. these are all like one, two year deals. Like, I think that's pretty smart. I like it. Nick Casario loves himself a one to two year deal for a player who's like 77 overall in Madden. And I feel like <laughs> totally. that's totally Dalton Schultz. I yeah. don't think Dalton Schultz is like a bad tight end, but I don't think he's like really a needle mover, but no. he's going to compile his way to like 80, like 70 catches for 600 yards, something like that. He's probably going to sure. compile his way to that in this offense, provided they don't make like another big move at wide receiver, which I, I I kind of feel like they'll end up taking a quarterback second overall. And then yeah. like D'Amico Ryans is going to say to the front office, like, okay, that's, I, I get it. We got to have a quarterback, but like you brought me here because I'm a, I'm a badass defensive coordinator. Like you, you gotta, you can't be taking a wide receiver at 12 overall. Yeah, right? I agree. You gotta, you, I agree. You, you're going to come here and you're going to give me like <laughs> a, a dog on defense to work yeah. with. Right. That's kind of yeah, how I feel right. about it. Yeah, I, I wonder if the uh, what's his name, Jalen Carter, the the DT from Georgia, he's he's projected to fall in drafts. I wonder if he'll fall uh, to Houston Man, there at that'd be crazy. Yeah, that would be uh, that'd be that'd be something. Uh, it's it's certainly within the realm of possibility. I, you know, uh, again, I'm not a big mock drafter guy, but uh, but I have seen that as a, a remote possibility there. Um, okay, but there is a I don't know. I I feel like with Dallas going to Brandon Cooks, Matt. Um, the dominoes are really starting to lock in now, right? Like, so what does this mean now for guys like DeAndre Hopkins and OBJ? That market is really starting to, I, I think, close up for these guys. Uh, yeah. Um, which one? Which one do you want to talk talk about first? Hopkins or, well, or Beckham? I, you know what? I, I was actually thinking maybe we could even just talk about teams. Like for me, I want yeah. to talk about the Ravens. Like the Ravens got to make a damn move here, oh. man. Like. What are these guys doing? They're just sitting back and, and sitting back and sitting back. Like, make a move. 
Make a well, move for one of these pass catchers. You could say you could say that for a number of things with the Baltimore Ravens right now. Like, <laughs> exactly. Let's, let's let's get it done. <laughs> right. Right. Did you Come see, on. Did you see the Did you see that the Ravens are hosting Nelson Aguilar for a visit? Yes. Is that not I like did. Isn't that like Jesus not the most Christ. like damn Ravens signing of all time? Come on. Come on. Baltimore Ravens, Ravens like. Oh, are you a wide receiver who had a good year three years ago and has it like you're you're about to be on your fourth team uh, coming off a down year? You're close to 30. You're a Raven, baby. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a play like play like a Raven is like you played on, good. Uh, it, like th- that's the that's the only veteran receiver type that they add. And I mean, honestly, this type of even a Hopkins or Beckham would. No, I'm not saying those guys are Nelson Aguilar tier players, but yeah. like they're still classic Ravens like moves. Mm-hmm. Totally. They never, this is why I was like, I thought they were interesting for Jacoby Myers or that, but that was never going to happen. Like they never get a guy who's like on the come up or in the prime of their career. They always you know, get him, Dude, on you, the you know what career. happened? They did this. They did that with Steve Smith and it worked out so well. And I feel like they're just riding and that Derek over. Mason. And like Derek oh, Mason Derek before Mason. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right, right, right. Exactly. So they're just, they're just going with that trend again and it doesn't Anquan work. Anquan Bolden. Oh, same thing God. jesus same Christ. thing come like on they, come on I, and it's again it it ends up kind of working for them sometimes and honestly i think if they got hopkins uh or or beckham i think that would probably uh, the beckham's a little more questionable but if they got hopkins i think that would probably work out for them too it's just like agreed the, all they do is get older guys on the back nine of their career they're gonna, gonna give them like one to two really good years maybe three if they get lucky or draft guys in the first round it's one or the other uh, it's those. That's it. They never get a guy who's like squarely in the prime of their career. I, um, I love the fact that the that their GM too was like kind of sort of I don't know dogging their own receivers. You know, like talking about how these they've missed on receivers over and over. And I'm like, guys, Rashad Bateman's not bad. Like, what are we talking about? Here? Yeah, he you know? he he even clapped back at it on Twitter and was like, yeah, exactly. how about you? How about Come you keep on, us healthy? How about you keep? How about you don't get your entire team injured uh, every single year? Uh, yeah, pretty. Pretty wild stuff there. A lot of weird stuff going on in Baltimore, but yes. I agree they'd be an ideal fit, uh, I, especially for Hopkins because a veteran, a guy that you would, uh, you know, that you'd really think would be a good mentor and be a good fit there for for the younger players that they're like. They'll probably still draft it, maybe not in the first round, but they might draft another receiver uh, as well. I think he and uh, Lamar Jackson would get along really well, but I feel like they can't really recruit a guy like Hopkins. Um, or any of these players until they solve their quarterback problem. That's a, yeah, that's, that's true. The, that's the thing. That's, that's kind of the thing with them right now. But Hopkins, I think is interesting just because like, like we just saw with Brandon cooks, like I remember at early points in the off season, you know, talk, obviously he's not a fit for the bears anymore, but talking with bears fans, I was like, this is a perfect, perfect fit for the bears. Cause he would give yep. Justin Fields, a young guy to grow with. And he's like, we don't want to just be spending that much money on an older receiver or sending like a second round pick for an older receiver. Well, a couple of things. Number one, you got more money than God. You got more money than you know what to do with right <laughs> You're now good. for the Bears. Come on. Who cares? You got to spend no. it. Yeah, I mean, Jesus. You got to spend it. Number two, and I, I like the DJ Moore move better than trading for DeAndre Hopkins. Obviously, yeah. we didn't see that one coming. But two, DeAndre Hopkins is going to come with like a salary reduction or the Cardinals are going to have to pay some of his salary if you yeah, really, yeah, yeah. Like, and he's probably not going to go for a second round pick. Just like Brandon Cooks, the Texans had to pay some of his salary and they got a freaking yep. fifth and sixth round pick back. Like Hopkins might fetch more than that and might not need as much of a salary adjustment, but he will need a salary adjustment. Like that's how this thing works. 
I think the the other team that everyone looks at is the Kansas City Chiefs, right? Because you automatically yeah. are in Super Bowl contention. Like some of these guys can do some legit ring chasing, which I think is, which would be great. I, I would love to see DeAndre Hopkins in a, in a deep postseason run. Like that would be a lot of fun. Um, the, you know, they, they obviously moved on from Juju Smith-Schuster. So there is some target share available. You get to play with Patrick Mahomes. You get to play with Andy Reid. Um, but do they have the, do they have the, the, the capital to get it done? Um, that's the big one. You, you know, if you go there, you're probably not signing a big deal. You know what I mean? Meanwhile, I think there's the Giants, Titans, and Patriots. They all have a need, Matt, but and they're not bad teams, certainly. I, I don't think they're bad teams by any stretch of the imagination, but for whatever reason, the, each of those teams also not that attractive, and I think it, I think that's fair to say. Well, I think it's definitely fair for the Patriots. Uh, also, the Patriots have made other moves. Uh, they, they added Mike Gusecki. They added Juju. The Giants have also made other moves. The Giants, man... I'm looking at like the Darren Waller trade. I like the Darren Waller trade. It's for the hundredth right. overall pick, but he's still a guy that is 30 and he's been dealing with injuries lately. If he plays like six games next year, it wouldn't be a surprise or isn't no. the player that he was when he first broke out with the Raiders. That wouldn't be a surprise. Um, and then like they brought in Paris Campbell and he they can't brought stay back healthy. Sterling Shepard who he can't, can't stay, stay healthy. healthy. Wandale Robinson. <laughs> He can't stay, stay healthy. healthy as rookie year. He tore, he's coming off a torn ACL. And they brought back Darius Slayton. So, like, yeah, if they don't make another big move, if they don't make a Hopkins-style move, I'm going to be looking at the Giants receiver room and be like, and it's the same thing we just did last year, except now we have Darren Waller in the mix, like, which is which is an upgrade. But I was hoping – I agree. I was hoping for a little more out of the Giants um, than we've gotten so far. The Chiefs, though, yeah, dude, that, that, that would be great to see either of these guys with Kansas City, especially – especially because Kansas city, what do they need? They need like a perimeter receiver because yeah. they lose Juju, but like Kadarius Tony can be, I mean, he's not really a real receiver. He's a gadget receiver, but he could be your slot receiver. Sky I was Moore thinking sky be, Moore. Yeah. I think sky Moore fits into that pretty good to me. Agree. If you slide him inside. He's just a little bit of a tough guy to read right now, just because he had such a, a rookie year, he didn't get on the field, but um, still, I think they seem they could still have plenty of hope for him, and they could still draft guys too. But yeah, to me, like they could use a veteran in the room too to like kind of uh, you know get get Sky Moore going, to get Kadarius Tony going, and like MVS is their only really perimeter receiver right now. And I, I just, I'm not going to sit here and say they need this or they need that because they have Patrick Mahomes, but it sure would be nice to have a, yeah. a perimeter receiver at this point. Yeah, it, it would be a lot of fun, I think, um, to have a, a player of Nuke's caliber and skill uh, meshing there with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. You know, um, I, I think that would be a lot of fun. Look, the Falcons also have a need, Matt, but I mean, who wants you to sign Matt Collins, man? though? <laughs> there you go. Another sure sign Arthur Smith is going to run that damn rock next year, dude. Oh. <laughs> They're running that ball, baby. They're running that ball. Let's go. They have some. They have some tall, tall bros in that pass catching core between Kyle oh Pitts, God. Drake London, and Matt Collins. But uh, yeah, I, I saw Matt Collins play as like an outside starting receiver last year, and I, I don't need to see that again. So well, hopefully, there's more get ready. coming for Atlanta. <laughs> get ready in the dirty <laughs> south. It's happening. This. 
Perception Perception, the show now. James Cole and Matt Harmon. Hey, uh, you know what? Let's talk about Elijah Moore here a little bit. Uh, he's another player profile that just recently hit the site, receptionperception.com. Go ahead and go check that out. Um, man, you made some you made some serious Brandon IU comps here uh, with Elijah Moore. I don't necessarily, I, I don't think it's fair to say about the game particularly, but at least in terms of the vibes, you made a lot of those comparisons. Yeah, and it's pretty funny because, you know, I, I kind of teed it up at the beginning of the profile like, you know, history repeats itself, right? And I've talked about it on the show before that Brandon Ayuk, you know, gets it like we're talking about like a second receiver, big, big plaque, big, big flag plant for reception perception. Everything seems to be pointing for a breakthrough <laughs> campaign for this guy, and then ends up uh -huh. at odds with the coaching staff. A you know, dramatically reduced role from what we expected. Um, yeah, that's the Brandon Ayuk story, and then it ended up becoming the Elijah Moore story. Um, I was talking to uh, our mutual friend uh, Dan Hansis at the uh, is either before the Super Bowl or or, or at the Super Bowl. We're talking about like mm -hmm. he's like that's that's the most classic Jets thing uh, that could have happened is because like everything is just pointing for this guy to like have a big year and then right. he's like benched in the middle of the season and requesting a trade. He's like, that's the most jets thing to ever happen. So, um, wasn't Jed <laughs> stung jets fans, but maybe not so surprising, but <laughs> you know, I, you got back on track obviously with the fantastic third season. And I'm, I'm not ruling out that Elijah Moore could be that guy too. And it is kind of funny that like some of their reception perception notes, um, from their rookie seasons, respective rookie seasons are very similar. They both cleared that 75% success rate versus man coverage threshold. That's again, very similar to what we, that's like what we're looking for, right? More 72.7% success rate versus man last year was pretty close uh, actually to Brandon Ayuk, who dipped from 75.7% as a rookie to 71% in his second season. Um, but that didn't necessarily impede that eventual big breakout for Ayuk. I don't necessarily think it has to for uh, Elijah Moore either, who, I mean, my God, James, you go back and, and you look at him last year. He's just, he's such a good player. He's just, he gets open. <laughs> he wins. He's, he's yeah. a really, it's funny. Cause I, I came on the, sh we came on the show a couple weeks ago, or was it the last show where we're talking yeah, about Garrett mm -hmm, Wilson, last week. Yeah. A guy who's, gets open creates get great separation but isn't necessarily tight fundamentally fundamentally all the time but he still finds a way to get open because he's like a freak athlete elijah moore is tight technically is a really good fundamental receiver he has like the deceptive moves in his route running he has those little small technical nuances head fakes stuff like that to really create separation it just never lined up with the quarterback last year for a yeah. variety of different reasons so I still think Elijah Moore can be a really good player. Uh, I think he would be, I think, like, shoot, he might be the best route runner that Aaron Rodgers has played with outside of Devontae Adams the last few years if he if he remains with the Jets and Aaron Rodgers finds his way to the Jets eventually. So I'm kind of hoping that's what happens, and I'm, I'm kind of hoping to see those two play together. Man, my, my, you're echoing my sentiments exactly, which is Rodgers don't blow it. Don't be, don't be the GM of this. Like, yeah. be a football player. And – there's all these rumors, speculation that Elijah Moore would go back to the Packers in some kind of Rodgers trade. And I just, I just, I think that would be a huge mistake. You know, this is a guy that I think could play all over the field. Uh, Garrett, you know, Wilson is a guy that can play all over the, it, they just give you that versatility. And when we're talking about young, developing wide receivers with high ceilings, high talent, maybe potentially unlocking that duo 
with Aaron Rodgers, that's when you start seeing some special results. And then you add in some, you know, some, some veterans into that mix as well. Alan Lazard, I think that's a good mix right there. Like, that's a good three wide receiver mix. And quite frankly, that's probably the best three wide receiver mix that he's seen since the Devontae Jordy days. You know what I mean? Randall sure. Cobb days. So let let Aaron Rodgers unlock their ceiling. You know what I mean? So I feel like it would be a huge mistake, a huge mistake, if the Jets did not see that potential um, and, and allow Elijah Moore to develop as a player uh, under, with, and alongside Aaron Rodgers, man. That, that would be a lot. I think that could be potentially explosive and a lot of fun to watch. I'm with you too, man. I, I think it's a really fun three receiver set. I, I know that like the Alan Lazard stuff was kind of part of the punchline with Aaron Rodgers and, you know, the, the demands mm-hmm. that he made from the team, even though they weren't really <laughs> demands or whatever, right, the, the right, whole right. back and forth. Sure. Um, but I do think he fits well with these, with these two guys with uh, Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore, because they're both smaller players they are not big guys. Lazard brings a lot of size and you brought this up. The positional versatility of these players, I think is really important because like Elijah Moore, the first I sampled obviously eight games for reception perception, like I always do. The first four weeks of last season, Elijah Moore is playing as their X receiver. He is running right. the most difficult routes on the team. He's getting open against press man coverage. Like I said, seven it's seventy two point seven percent is a slight dip from where he was as a rookie, but that's still very good. That's still within like a very promising range. And his seventy five point eight percent success rate versus press, that's at the seventy eighth percentile, was actually an improvement over his wow. rookie year. So, I think obviously from a size perspective, you don't necessarily want a guy who's like five ten, a hundred, one hundred eighty pounds to be your ex receiver unless they're yeah. Antonio Brown. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to go crazy and call Elijah Moore the next Antonio Brown or anything like that, but <laughs> he can get open as that X receiver there against press man coverage, but he can also play as a slot. He would also be a great slot receiver. He can also play as your flanker receiver outside. Garrett Wilson spent time as a slot receiver last year, told me it's a Super Bowl. He loves to play in the slot. That's his favorite position, but he can certainly play X. He can certainly play flanker and Lazard could be a power slot or he could be like a big blocker out at the X receiver spot. So mm-hmm. I think the positional versatility of these guys is really great. To, is, is a great asset for the Jets. And I agree with you. Like, Okay, if it, if it gets the Rodgers thing done and it finally gets like the Packers off their ass to make the trade, I I guess I wouldn't like kill the Jets for trading Elijah Moore back to the Packers, especially if like you could trade a third and Elijah Moore for Aaron Rodgers or something like that. I, I wouldn't kill him just like I wouldn't kill the Panthers for trading DJ Moore to get the quarterback. The quarterback is what matters. But it would be a shame. Uh, it, it would be a shame if Aaron Rodgers goes to the Jets and ends up working with Basically, the Packers receiver core plus Garrett Wilson. I think it's much more exciting to sit to sit there and think like Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore, Alan Lazard. That's a good trio. Let's go to work. Can I just say this too? With Elijah Moore out of that room, it's not just less interesting. I think it's not good. I, I'll, I they yeah. they would be down a high quality player. And what right. are the options now? Again, I guess the Jets would then get into the mix and in, into the nuke business or maybe the OBJ business as well. The Randall Cobb it, business. <laughs> oh, God, no. Just no. Stop. Like, no. <laughs> Come That's on. what I'm saying. This becomes, this becomes a lot less sexy if we're looking at like Garrett Wilson plus uh, Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb is your slot receiver instead of like Wilson on the outside, Lazard on the outside and, and damn Elijah Moore potentially is your speed slot guy. Then you've got a lot to unlock. And again, I think that 
what is Rogers always bitching about with young receivers? Um, like fundamentals and being where he wants you to be and, 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 and all those little things, picking up on his hand signals and stuff. I get that. I like, the one thing that, and again, I always say this with these receivers who get in this, like Brandon Ayuk and Elijah Moore, these guys who get off track and like get beefing with their teams, you have to bring expectations all the way back to like square one. You right. don't want to have like, okay, he gets in a fight with the team, like, oh, now he's going to be running 80% of the routes the next week. No, he's not. But like when you see Robert <laughs> right. Sala out there being like, this guy works really hard and we're excited about him and we're like trying to find ways to get him going and and being publicly that's like that's a good signal and i mean like that's the thing that with everybody says about elijah moore even though he had that stuff going on last year he never stopped working hard he never stopped putting that time in and i think rogers would really love to play with like a young receiver like that compared to some of these guys in green bay who have been more i like christian watson but he was a project receiver romeo dobbs was like more of a project receiver elijah moore is like a tight fundamental receiver and i think rogers would like that I think Rodgers would love playing with both Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore. So, again, I'm really hoping uh, the Jets stay strong. I'm hoping the Jets are smart about it, man, and uh, and decide to keep that duo together and just add Alan Lazard into the mix and then turn themselves into this, like, potentially offensive powerhouse. Like, you know, the the, the running back room looks really strong, too. So, man, um, that could be that could be a really, really good offense there. Um, in New York if they decide to keep all of their pieces. So that's that's what I'm hoping for. I, I don't know. And again, I'm, it's not like I'm a Jets fan, dude. You know, I, I just like seeing good football. I like seeing special football, right? So Same. like, let, let me have that, you know? Like, I don't want to see Rodgers go to the Jets and the Jets you trade away Elijah Moore and just be some middling, you know, offensive unit. No, but who, who the hell wants to see that? That's boring. That, that yeah. is boring as hell. We want Rodgers to go there just like Peyton Manning went to Denver and it was like, all right, Demarius Thomas is about to get unlocked. Eric Decker is about to Woo! get unlocked. Julius oh, yeah. Thomas about to get unlocked by Peyton Manning. Um, and, you know, again, Rodgers might not be at that level right now, but he is absolutely, I think, still a teammate elevator. I mean, yeah. he was definitely elevating Christian Watson last year. We'll see what For Jordan sure. Love can do, but he was definitely elevating Christian Watson at times last year. So, and these are the best two receivers outside of Devontae Adams that Rodgers has played with by far. And just to, to bring it home back on Elijah Moore here, I, we always talk about that 75%, like the 70% success rate for, uh, for man, for six, let me say that again, the 70% success rate versus man coverage, like barometer being a really good indicator for quality receivers. These guys who get over 75%, like those guys rarely end up failing. In fact, like the only two players who have cleared 75% in uh, reception perception history and failed to record a 1,000-yard season, Curtis Samuel and uh, Sterling Shepard. Obviously, Curtis Samuel been like a useful player, but I wouldn't say he's like a star receiver. Sterling no. Shepard's just been hurt all the time, right? But other than right. that, everybody else who's done it, best one of the best receivers in the league. They go on to become the best receivers in the league. So if Elijah, like Elijah Moore's got a great a great company to put himself in historically by doing that as a rookie, the jets should see that through. And I think anybody who's invested in Elijah Moore in like fantasy or dynasty or whatever stick, say the course as well, because I was frustrating yeah. last year, but just like with Brandon, Ayuk, he ended up having like a stud caliber, uh, right. second, uh, third season. I think Elijah Moore could be that, uh, if we get the right thing here in, in New York. He's being a Sterling Shepard. Am I the only one that thinks that, man, if Sterling Shepard had stayed healthy in Bro. 2022, I think he absolutely would have crushed a thousand yards. 
He, he how about if he had stayed healthy in 2022 2021 2020 2018 2019 2018 like the worst now this could really be Sterling Shepard's time to shine. Um, and that was when the injuries started happening. So yeah, I, I think Ugh. every dude, every time he's on the field, he just like inhales eight targets, nine targets, yep. 10 to 14 targets sometimes. Cause he's such a good route runner. He's always open. And yeah, it just, it sucks, man. It hurts everybody's feelings. It's like, a, you know, Kadarius Tony bro last year. Like, why can't they get him on the field? But Sterling Shepard's getting 10 targets. Well, it's because Sterling Shepard's a good receiver. So <laughs> I will always, always, I will go. always keep the candle lit for Sterling Shepard. He'll probably, dude, I guarantee you'll have a, he's on the roster. He'll have a, he'll have a week one, week two. He'll have like 21 targets or something. Atta, baby. Who knows? There it is. hundred percent. All right. There you go. Uh, hey, listen, um, last piece of news here. Carolina goes and signs Adam Thielen, uh, three-year deal. Um, not, not huge money, but it wasn't nothing. So I thought that was interesting. Um, 14 million guaranteed for Adam Thielen, three year, $25 million. He's going to be 33 years old in August, Matt, uh, last year, 70 receptions, 716 yards, six touchdowns last year as well. That's where he's always been good, right? He's always been good as a touchdown maker, 14 and 10 touchdowns respectively in 2020 and 2021. Um, he's five years removed from the best season of his career in 2018, when he posted nearly 1,400 yards and nine touchdowns um, and also a career-high 74% catch rate. From what you have kind of sort of seen, I know we haven't, you know, you haven't charted him fully yet, but just what you saw last year, um, what, what do we make of this signing in Carolina? Yeah, I did uh, get the news alert um, uh, about Adam Thielen over the weekend, uh, and my wife's looking at me because I'm staring at my phone with kind of like this blank face. <laughs> okay. She's like, what's, she's like, what's wrong? I was like, I don't, I don't, uh, Adam Thielen signed with the damn Panthers. And I don't know if I should like chart him or, or like if it's not, doesn't move the needle enough. If I need to just keep pushing with these rookies. And she's like, this is really like the biggest, you're going to have that expression on your face about like, <laughs> about a football move. Like, <laughs> get, get a grip, bro. Uh, uh, but no, I did, I did end up looking at a couple of games uh, for Adam Thielen for RP. I probably not, I'm not going to put a pro full profile on him because I've mm -hmm. got to get moving on to these rookies to meet the deadline. And that's what people are most interested in right now. Yep. But a couple games, uh, three games looked at him for reception perception. He's definitely a declining player. I mean, there's no doubt about yeah. it. But, he hasn't really fallen off a cliff uh, yet. He's still a pretty good zone coverage beater. His success rate versus man coverage is definitely on the decline from his peak years. There's again, there's no doubt about that. He was used to hover around that like 69, 70% player uh, against man coverage, but was always an excellent zone coverage beater. He's still a pretty good zone coverage beater. And for that reason, I really like this move. It's not for crazy money, right? Yeah. He gets a lot of money up front. That means he'll probably be with the team one, two years, something like yeah, that. Years, yeah, um, yeah that, that makes sense to me. And uh, I think he will definitely get the – just like he used to be stereotyped as one of the best route runners in the league because he was white, he'll probably get like the extra coach on the field uh, stereotype <laughs> uh, during training <laughs> camp. Like it's a young room and Terrace Marshall has really been absorbing uh, you know, oh, stuff from Adam Thielen. But I think that can be a real thing for um, like a self-made dude like Adam Thielen, who's had a crazy career for an undrafted right. player. I, I like this move for Carolina just to get a vet in there because – and I, I think, too, if it's C.J. Stroud at, at number one overall, and I, I have said 
across the all platforms. I, I hope that it is CJ Stroud at one. I like CJ Stroud a lot. Yeah. Same. I think a guy like uh, Adam Thielen, who is a really good a technician, uh, a guy who's just in the right places at all times, he would be a pretty good fit um, for CJ Stroud. Uh, talk to, can you talk to me about Thielen's game? Because from what I recall, I think he's a, a much better zone beater than man beater, if I'm correct. not mistaken. Yes, correct. And for that reason, too, I actually think it's funny to track like the history of these Vikings receivers. Because remember, um, this was back in like, I think 2017 or maybe leading into 2000. Uh, yeah, I think leading into 2017. In 2016, Steph Diggs had had all this success as like a, a little pop gun slot receiver because he was playing with Sam F. and Bradford, who all does nothing but <laughs> check the ball down. Yeah. And yeah. like the fantasy community is freaking out about Stefan Diggs being moved to the outside and Adam Thielen being moved to the slot because oh, can, can Diggs win outside? That was a real thing that happened. Uh, that was a, a real, real debate on uh, by people who claim to be serious uh, analysts of football. Uh, that was a thing that happened. But the the key in that was that I think the move was actually more Adam Thielen based because he's such a good zone beater and because mm-hmm. he play he has great hands and plays with great size he makes a lot of sense as a power slot player and I actually kind of think like moving back into more of a full time slot role uh, in the next in the next phase of his career this like final chapter of his career really again could be beneficial for Adam Thielen because that man coverage skill is declining a little bit, not like falling off a cliff, but definitely declining a little bit, but he's still a really smart player who can be in the right spots, still knows how to beat zone coverage. That translates really well to a potential big slot role. So, you know, I know they're still kind of poking around DJ Chark. I, I I would prefer them to just earmark like second round. You still got the 39th overall pick. Think about doing like a Joe Burrow type of thing where they took him number one overall, the Bengals. They still had a vet like A.J. Green, 32 years old, just like Adam Mm. Thielen, right around the same age. Um, Different players, obviously, different level of players. But then they took T. Higgins at the top of the second round. Like, I'd love to see the Panthers kind of pull off something like that. And then if you have Terrace Marshall as like a – he runs slant routes, he runs go routes, and that's about it. But then you have Adam Thielen as a a big slot and and some kind of rookie who might be more of like a – project number one receiver type i think that's actually not a bad room for carolina yeah to me i think terrace marshall <clears throat> can fill a role you know um he can get downfield a little bit and as you mentioned he, he profiled well with the slants too so if he's your number three adam thielen's your number two and the thing about adam thielen like say whatever you want but he, i mean when they say the guy's got a nose for the end zone this guy's just i mean he just has a nose for that i don't know how he does it but anytime he's in the red zone he's an absolute threat um which is, uh, which is uh, again, a quarterback's best friend. There's no question. Um, but they have the makings of something that could be respectable. I won't even say mm-hmm. good, but they've got the makings of something that could be respectable, but they are certainly, I think, um, an X receiver away um, from having, you know, again, a respectable wide receiver room. Anyways, Adam Thielen signs three year, a three-year deal uh, with Carolina and, and could be, you know, their rookie quarterback's new best friend. Uh, in 2022. So again, if you play fantasy football, though, I'll tell you what, uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Adam Thielen uh, sees 120 plus targets there uh, in Carolina mm-hmm. in, in year number one for a rookie quarterback. So anyways, all right, so there you go. That's our show. Um, we're going to have a bonus episode here on Thursday or excuse me, Friday, Thursday or Friday, I think, uh, for those folks listening. It's going to be Thursday. It's going to be Thursday. Talking about some potential Early rookie uh, takes. 
early rookie takes here uh, from Matt Harmon at the wide receiver position. So be sure uh, to look out for that. And that's going to be uh, in your, you know, uh, wherever you stream your podcast, that's going to be out for you very shortly here. So uh, for Matt Harmon, I'm James Coe. We'll see you.